afraid of pickles. Anybody here afraid of pickles? Amen. I don't think anybody besides her is afraid of pickles. Amen. But have you know that's, just, that's a real thing. Amen. That girl was really, truly afraid of pickles. Amen. I like when she said, well, what do you do? You're a waitress? What do you do when somebody wants a pickle? She says, too bad. They're going to have to get their own pickle. Amen. You ever gone to a restaurant and they told you you had to get your own pickle? I never have. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. Praise the Lord. Well, I actually went on the Internet and I was looking at phobias. Amen. Which are what? It's just a bunch of fears, right? Phobias are fears, things that people are afraid of. And I got, I got a list of them here. And uh, some of them are pretty funny. Some are kind of weird. Uh, I just thought I'd share a few of them with you. Amen. One of them is, uh, be, bear with me as I try to pronounce these. Amen. Phallocrophobia, uh, fear of becoming bald. I have that fear. <laughs> Amen. I have that fear. Amen. Brother Will's already overcome that. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's uranophobia, which is fear of heaven. Oh, my God. How could you be afraid of heaven? Amen. Uh, gamophobia, fear of marriage. Uh-oh. Hello. I don't think anybody in this church has that fear. Vestiophobia, fear of clothing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nobody in here has that fear. Especially this morning. Amen. Uh, let's see. Cacophobia, fear of ugliness. I think we should all have that fear. Amen. Because nobody likes anything ugly, right? Ergophobia, fear of work. Some of our youth these days have that fear. Pray for our youth, amen? Just kidding. Enuptophobia, fear of staying single. That's the one I believe we have here in our ministry. People are fear of staying single. Everybody wants to get married. Praise the Lord. This one's funny. Judeophobia, guess what that is afraid, the fear of? Fear of Jews. Uh-oh. Wow, that was weird. I thought that was kind of weird. Right. Let me see if I say this correctly. Rightsophobia, fear of wrinkles. I also have that fear. Amen. Theophobia, fear of religion. Uh-oh. Can't be afraid of that. Aerophobia. This one is kind of weird and kind of fear of swallowing air. <sighs> Unfortunately, if you're afraid of that, you're probably dead. So somebody who has that doesn't live very long. Amen. And they get over that fear quite fast. This one's kind of funny too. Autodisomphobia. Fear of one with a vile odor. Everybody's afraid with somebody. I think we all have that, right? Nobody likes anybody that stinks, right? So I think we all have that, we all have that fear. Some people say they have this fear. Ecclesio, ecclesiophobia. Fear of church. They don't want to come to church. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. It's all good. And hopefully nobody here has this one here this morning. Homilyphobia. Fear of sermons. Amen. Hopefully nobody here this morning has that fear. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You guys got your Bibles this morning? Go ahead and open them up to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And when you get there, give me a loud amen. So I'm not going to talk about phobias here this morning, praise the Lord, because I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm going to talk a little bit about fear, though, not phobia. Phobia is something that psychiatrists deal with, amen? Fear is something that God deals with. But we all deal with a little bit of fear, right? We all deal with a little bit of fear. But here this morning, we're going to expose a few things, and I'm going to share a few things. Are you guys ready? You guys are in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 9. Before I do, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to ask God to bless his word. Father, this morning, I ask that you would just take control this morning, Lord, that your word would go forth and do exactly what you wanted to do. It would accomplish everything that you wanted to accomplish. That, Father, Lord, it would fall this morning on good soil, that somebody that needs to hear it this morning would hear it 
understand it, and Father, that they would take a hold of it, Lord God, and they would cultivate it within their lives. And Father, that we would no longer have to live in fear of anything here this morning. Father, I just ask that you would have your way this morning, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Everybody in Joshua? The Bible says in chapter 1, verses 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Not somewhere or some places that you go, but wherever you go. Can I hear an amen? amen? You see, fear can be a formula for failure, right? Fear can be a formula for failure. Fear makes us, can make us skeptical. It can make us very selfish. It can make us stubborn. Hello? And it can make us very short-sighted. But even with fear creating all of these different things within our lives, we have the ability with God's help. Amen? And that's the key. With God's help. We have the ability with God's help to replace that fear with something else. And do we know what that other thing is here this morning? Faith. That's right. Just because you have fear, it's okay. Just because you have fear, it's all right. God, with God's help, he's going to replace it with faith here this morning. And I'm, I love this story. I've told this story before. There was a story of a spy who was captured, and he was sentenced to death by a general, a Persian general. And the general had a custom of giving condemned prisoners a choice between the firing squad and a big black door. As the moment for execution drew near, the spy was brought to the Persian general who asked the question, so what will it be, the firing squad or the big black door? You guys remember that game show? Remember those kind of, you want behind curtain number one or do you want behind curtain number two? Well, he gave him that option. What do you want? What's it going to be? Well, the spy hesitated for a long time. And finally, he chose the firing squad. Moments later, shots rang out, confirming that the spy had been executed. And the general turned to his aide, and he said, they always prefer the known way to the unknown way. It's a characteristic of people to be afraid of the unknown. Yet we gave him a choice. What lies beyond the big back door, the aide asked the general. Freedom, he replied. And I've only known a few brave enough to have taken it. So here this morning, how brave are you? How many know we're all afraid of the unknown? Right? That's a real big fear. We're afraid of things that we don't know about. We don't know what's going to happen. So we, the enemy brings fear into our lives, and it causes us to sometimes just stand still and not move forward. Can I hear an amen? amen? But see, God gives us each a choice, just like the general gave that guy a choice. God gives each of us a choice as well, to live by fear or to live by faith. If we choose to live by fear, we will live our lives never fully experiencing the great satisfaction of taking a risk for God. How many know that when you take a risk for God... All I can say is the sky's the limit. When you take a risk for God, he can do anything. When you step out on faith and begin to leave your fears behind, the sky is the limit. But see, if we choose to live by faith, we will experience a newfound freedom that will lead us to a personal assurance that we are living life to the fullest. How many want to live life to the fullest? How many of you guys don't want to live the way you used to live? Amen. Always looking, man, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something better. Amen. How many know that there is something better? And it's in following in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, that we live by faith, not by sight. We don't live by sight. It's not about what we see or even about what we feel. How many know that we're, we're uh, emotional people, right? We got emotions, and sometimes we live, even live by our emotions. The way we feel is the way that we behave. But even in the Bible, there were people who were living by sight instead of faith. They were God's chosen people, as a matter of fact. Amen. How many know that we're, we're not, might not be the Jews, right? Supposedly the God's chosen people, but I know that God chose us as well. God chose you to be here this morning. Amen. So you are God's chosen people this morning. 
But even God's chosen people lived in fear. They didn't live by faith. You see, when you read in the book of Exodus, you can see how the Israelites were a very oppressed people, right? We, you know about the story there in Egypt. They were very oppressed. They were crying out for what? A deliverer. They wanted somebody to deliver them from Pharaoh. They were living in fear. They were living in fear. And one of the things that fear does, not just to the, the Israelites, but also to us too, it distorts our vision. How do you know that it distorts our vision? It messes with the way that we see things. And I know some of us might be wearing glasses this morning. Amen. It's kind of like if you were to take off your glasses, and that's kind of like what fear does to you. It distorts your vision. You can't see things clearly. You see things in a different light. Amen. Not as truly as they are, because when you put those glasses back on, then you're able to see, ah, oh, that's what that looks like. Oh, now I can see clearly. Amen. But see, fear distorts that vision. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 1, verse 11, it says that they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built uh, Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. And then in verse 14, he goes on to say that they made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Ruthlessly. Fear. They were living in fear. And in verse 16, he goes on to talk about some more things that they were doing to them to make them live in fear. When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. Hmm. Right? If it's a girl, let him live. They were living in fear. Verse 22 even goes on to say, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, that every boy, every boy that is born, you must throw him into the Nile, but let every girl live. They were killing people. They were killing children. The Israelite children. They were living in fear. Every day they woke up in fear. And some of us here this morning, we might be waking up every morning in fear. But it doesn't have to be that way. God did not call you to live in fear. God did not call me to live a fearful life. You see, the Hebrews were bound for over 400 years. They were in slavery for over 400 years. 400 years of fear. Generation after generation after generation living in fear. And even some of us might be able to identify with that this morning. Maybe, you know, your relatives, people, you know, before you, your, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, your grandparents, they also maybe lived in the same lives that you were living, living in fear. But it can be broken here this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. You guys ready to break some stuff this morning? Yes. Praise God. See, and they were treated so bad that the only thing that they could think of was what? Being delivered. Amen. And that's all they want to do. God, deliver us. They were crying out for a deliverer. And they would tell people, the deliverer is going to come. Right? When you read the Bible. That's why it's so important to read your Bible because you learn all this stuff. You're able to find out exactly what's going on here. But because they lived in such fear, I believe because their vision was distorted, that their perception of deliverance was distorted. The way that they thought that they were going to be delivered was distorted in the way God actually wanted to do it. Amen. And this reminds me, I'm trying to remember this joke. Amen. There was a man that was sitting on his porch and the floodwaters were rising within his neighborhood and the water began to rise very, very high to where he was stuck in his house. He wasn't able to go anywhere. The, wa the water rose so high. But along came a rescue boat and they said, come on, you got to get in the boat. You got to get in the boat. And he was like, no, it's OK. God's going to save me. And they're like, OK. So they left and the waters began to rise even farther and begin to rise even farther. And then he was sitting up on his roof. And the boat came back. They said, come on, you got to get in. You got to get in. You're going to die. He said, no, it's okay. God's going to save me. They're like, okay. And then they came back a third time. And the man was gone. The house was gone. The man was swept away by the flood. Amen. And when he finally got to heaven, he said, hey, God, what happened? You're supposed to save me. He says, I, what do you mean I'm supposed to? I tried, dummy. I set the boat three times. <laughs> Amen. See, his idea of how he thought God was going to save him was different than the way God was really going to save him. Amen. His vision was distorted, just like the children of Israel's vision was a little bit distorted. Can I hear an amen? amen? 
But see, I believe that they wanted to be free. And it's not that they didn't want to be free, that they didn't want to be delivered. They did. But the way that they thought it was going to happen was different than the way God wanted to do it. Amen. They envisioned freedom and how it came about was a little bit different. See, in Exodus in chapter six, Moses tells the Hebrews how he's going to do it. Right. Moses tells the people God is going to do God. They don't want to hear it anymore. They didn't want to hear it anymore. In Exodus chapter six, this is what Moses said to him in verse nine. So Moses told the people what the Lord had said. He said, this is what God said. And he laid it all out for him. But they didn't want to listen anymore, the Bible says. They told Moses, we don't want to hear that anymore. They were told what was going to happen. They still don't want to listen. They go, no, 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 that's not, no, that's not what we think. That's not how we want it to happen. But I'm sorry, Moses. But the, see, see, the Hebrews were living by what? By sight. They were living by their emotions, by all the things that were going on with their lives, all the circumstances that were happening. Can I hear an amen this morning? How many know that sometimes that's how we are? We feel what's going on in our lives, the turmoil that's going on in our lives, the chaos that might be happening within your household today. But we can't see the deliverance that God wants to bring. God's, God's still going to bring it. God is still going to do what he said he's going to do. He's still going to fulfill his promises within your life. But you just got to believe God that he's going to do it the way he's going to do it. Not the way that you want it to happen. Because we want it to just happen now. God, deliver me now. Sweep these people off the face of the earth now. Or whatever it might be happening, that's how we want it. But God says no. Because if, if it happens like that, I'm not going to get the glory. How many know? Because in all things, God wants glory. Hey, all things, God wants glory. Because how many know the guy can get glory out of anything? He got glory out of me. When he saved my life, when he changed my life, when he did to me what he did to me, he got some glory. And he did the same thing in your life. So God can get glory out of anything. See, fear causes us to see things in the flesh. Amen. The flesh is not good. Amen. The flesh is stinky. The flesh sees things by emotion, by what it sees and what it feels. See, when we desire something from God, Depending on the circumstances, we've already decided within our lives, within our heart, this is how I want it to come about, right? Because we're, we're in the flesh. We're thinking flesh the way we feel. We've already decided this is how I want it to happen, right? But I don't think the Hebrews, they had already decided that they wanted God to deliver them the way that they wanted them to be delivered. They didn't want to go on a 40-year hike through the desert, right? They weren't like, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for this long trip that was only supposed to take, I think it was like 10 days, 11 days. They were only supposed to go on like an overnight hike. But they ended up being out in the desert for how long? 40 years. That is definitely not the way they thought it was going to happen. They see, they didn't want to battle giants for freedom. But how many know that none of us want to battle giants for freedom, right? That's not what we wake up every morning. Okay, God, bring that next giant. I'm ready. doesn't happen that way. But see, when you focus on your giants, you stumble. When you focus on God, your giants tumble. You focus on your giants, you stumble. You focus on God, your giants tumble. Next, fear causes us to forget. Amen? It doesn't matter how old you are. God, your fears will cause you to forget. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us up out of Egypt? Didn't we, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They forgot. They forgot where God had taken them from already. It hadn't even been that long. They had just left Egypt. They just walked out of the city, and they got to their first obstacle. They're like, oh, my God. And they already forgot what God had already done for them. And some of it, sometimes it's like that as well. We come to the altar in church. God moves within our lives. God does a miracle in our lives right here at this altar. And by the time we get out that door, we already forgot. We're, we're right back where we were when we walked in. But it doesn't have to be like that. See, up until this point, God had done miraculous things within the, the, the Israelites, within the God's chosen people. 
He already saved them from some plagues, right? He removed them from their oppressors from Egypt. And he, it's not, that wasn't enough. As they were leaving the city, as they were leaving the city, he told the Egyptians, okay, break yourself. Give them all your silver and all your gold. So they came out of there with fat pockets. They left with a lot of stuff. Amen. They left with gold, silver. They, man, they, they were, they were, uh, there were some rich people when they left. They were poor, and then they were rich. Amen. Just as they were walking out the city, they're like, oh, we'll take that. Oh, I'll take that. Thank you very much. And they're throwing them in their little, their little carts, and they were walking out of the city. So God had done miraculous things already within their lives, and they already forgot. As soon as they hit that first problem, hello, as soon as they hit that first obstacle, they had already forgot the things that God had already done for them. They were already back into fear. Fear had already gripped them again. But see, again, fear shows up, and they forget what God had done for them. All the promises that God had given them, they had already given them up. They had already forgot all about it. When it happens to us, it's okay. They're not special. <laughs> it happens to us as well, amen. See, when things are looking good, because I mean, no, things will look good from time to time, right? Things are looking good. And we just all praise God and glory to God and thank you, Jesus, right? We're all excited for God when things are going good. But all of a sudden, right, you hear about, uh oh, I heard they're going to lay some people off tomorrow. What? Come on, hello, right? That's reality today. I heard they're going to lay some people off. You're like, what? <laughs> Here comes fear. Right? It begins to grip us. I heard they're going to make some cutbacks. And it grips us. And we begin to forget. There goes our memory. Right? We forgot that God gave you that job. Right? We forgot that you didn't have a job. And you've been praying for a job. And God gave you a job. But here comes fear. And it grips you again. Forget about all the things that God has done for us. All the plans, right, that God has for you. Have you know God's got a plan for your life? God has a supernatural, divine plan for each and every one of you and for me. So even when those times come, even when those things happen, it's okay. God is in control. He has purpose within the trial. Within that, God has a purpose. You've got to remember that. That's why you've got to get into your Bible because this is where all the promises are. When you're feeling fearful, you've got to get into your word because this is where everything that's going to battle that fear is right here. It's in God's word. It's not in me. It's in God's word. I can give you God's word, but you've got to get it for yourself. You got to eat it yourself, right, brother? <laughs> Paul's going, right. Amen. God's word. You want to get some God's word? You want to you really strengthen yourself? You got to take Bethy. I'm telling you. Man, we're talking about fear. <laughs> Hallelujah. But amen. You got to get the God, word of God in you because that's what's going to fight that fear. Because God has plans for our lives. He's called us to rise above all that stuff. Pastor Steve used to say that your faith level has got to be higher than your fear level. Because your fear level tries to come up. Tries to come up. And if it overtakes that faith level, what happens? Oh, my God. We stop believing God. Oh, man. He's not as big as I think he is. You know, we, we sing the song, but I don't know because your fear level is going up here. That's why when we sing those songs, you're just like, mm-hmm, okay, all right. You know, I, I, I was singing it last week, but not this week, right? Our God is greater, right? You're like, yeah, maybe last week, <laughs> not today. Hmm? That's because your fear level is starting to rise up above your faith level. It's okay, because we're going we're gonna to give you some faith this morning. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, 22 says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Hmm? The worries of this life, fear of this life. There's nothing to fear in this life. I'm here to tell you that. You don't got to be afraid of anything. When you know who you serve, when you know the God that is the God of victory outreach, you don't have to fear anything. There's nothing to be afraid of, especially man, because fear chokes out faith. 
That's why the enemy uses it so much. How many know? Because the enemy likes to get a grip on your, like that. He wants to choke out that faith. He knows if he can choke your faith, he's got you. If he can choke your faith, he's got you. Don't let him choke out your faith. We all have fears. We all, like that girl, <laughs> she had a crazy fear, right? We all have fears. We don't all have that one. We all don't have the ones that I mentioned, the other ones that I mentioned, but we all have something that we're thought. Me, I'm afraid of spiders. You can ask my wife. When I see a spider, babe, <laughs> come kill it. She's like, what? It's, it's only that big. I'm like, just kill it, please. Just kill it. You know, she's like, just get some tissue. I'm like, what? I'm not getting no tissue. Go get a shoe or something, babe. Come on, kill it. Amen. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. God is going to deliver me one day. Probably when I go to heaven. Amen. You know, spiders in heaven. Praise God. But we all have fears, right? We all have anxieties. The Bible tells us in Psalms 55 to cast our cares upon him. And why does he think it tells us to cast them upon him? Because he can take care of them. He can handle all that stuff. We can't. Because he's perfect. How many know that Jesus was perfect? We cast all that stuff upon him. We get it off of us. We put it on the one who could actually do something with it. Because I can't do nothing with my fear except for stay in fear. That's the only thing I can do with it. And fear, it's good to have healthy fear. It's good to have some healthy fear. That's another Bible study. That's another sermon. I'm not going to get into that. But it's, it's okay to have healthy fear. Fear will keep you in line, right? But I'm talking about fear of God. I'm not talking about fear of man or fear of pickles or spiders, amen? I'm not talking about those kind of fears. But fear will keep you in line. It will keep you straight with God. And we all, want, we all want answers to our fears, right? We all say, well, how am I going to get over this? What's the answer? Well, I need some answers here. Faith is the answer this morning. No amount of money, success, position in life can get rid of your fears. Sometimes we think, you know what, you look at our bank account, well, if I just get some more money, I'm going to be all right. I won't have to be afraid of losing my house, or I won't have to be afraid of losing my car, or get my phone getting shut off, right? But that's not the answer to your fears. That's just a temporary fix. Because what's going to happen is that as soon as you, you know, that little bit of money comes and you pay that bill, the bill is going to come back next month. <laughs> now what are you going to do? you got to have faith that God is going to take care of you, that God is going to meet each and every one of your needs. And that's why you give. Hello? I'm not talking about tithing this morning, but I'm going to, you got to give, amen? You got to give, because when you step out in faith and believe God that he's going to meet each and every one of your needs through your giving, then God takes care of you, amen? Oh, that wasn't loud enough. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, we're all going to be tithers, right? Come on, we're all going to step out in faith together. You see, so we can have victory over our fear. It's very, very possible to have victory over our fear. It's not something like, wow, that's a good, that's a pretty good philosophy, right? That's, that's a pretty good idea about having some victory over fear, but it's true. Faith is how it's gonna, you're going to get that victory over your fears. Psalms 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It says it right there. You have the word of God that tells you, who are you to be afraid of? Nobody. Why? Because the Lord is your stronghold. He's the light of my salvation. Who shall you be afraid? Nobody. In a nutshell, this is what God is saying. Focus on me and your fears will disappear. Focus on me. Focus on my word, my promises. You got nothing to be afraid of. Hmm? Focusing on God is walking by faith. When you focus on him, you walk by faith. You don't walk by sight. That's why you got to get up in the morning and pray. You got to start your day with prayer. I don't say you got to get up in the morning and, you know, and shondo for five hours and you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you can, great, go for it, man. Make it happen. But if you if you can, like me, I'm, that's not me. I get up in more than 15, 20 minutes, maybe half hour. I, you know, I got my Bible in one year thing on my phone that takes forever to download, right? But I still, I'm, I'm faithful. 
and knowing that I spend 15, 20, you know, we, my wife gets up, we, you know, we share a little bit, you know, hopefully sometimes we don't get time, but we try. And that starts out my day, and that helps me build my faith every morning. It gives me something I can go to work with. Because when I go to work, the devil's there. <laughs> when I'm there, there's fear there. There's fear every day that I'm not going to do the right thing, or I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to get fired, right? I, I get up every morning with that fear, I do. But when I get up in the morning, I pray, and I ask God, okay, God, I'm giving this day to you. I'm believing that you're going to do whatever it's going to take to get me through this day. He does it. And he can do the same thing for you. Amen. It's not, it's not some big, long theological thing that to, to live by faith. It's not. It's simple. And that statement that focusing on God is very consistent message throughout the Bible. When you read the Bible, which you should, you'll find that throughout the Bible. That focusing on God gets rid of all fear and he takes care of his people. <clears throat> Even Peter, right? When Peter walked on water, what happened? When he began to take his focus off of God, he wasn't looking at Jesus anymore. He began to look down and look at his circumstances, look at what was going on, looked at the waves, and he saw the water. And he was like, whoa, what happened? He began to sink. He began to fall because he took his focus off God, and his fears began to rise up. In Isaiah chapter 26, the Bible says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. See, when you trust in God and you focus on God and you're steadfast in your heart, I'm going to trust God. God said it, I'm going to believe it. Pastor Josie's always strong on that. If God says it, tell him. You said. God, you said it in your word. You said this in your word. And when you do that to God, God says, you're right. I did say that. And God's going to always be faithful. Amen. Like Brother Will was saying, God is not a man that you should lie. God does not lie. When God says something, it's the truth. And I think the story of David and Goliath is an example of faith as well. Right? A lot of people think the story is just a story of this guy that, you know, was this awesome warrior as he was a boy. Right? And it's a, it's, a, it's a warrior story, but really it's a story of faith. You see, because Goliath was a very giant man. He was over nine feet tall, the Bible says, that he had armor made of bronze, and that he carried a javelin and a spear and a sword. Man, he had a, he had a javelin, a spear, a sword, a shield. He had all this stuff, right? And what did David carry? He had a little sling and some stones, amen? And I like this illustration, too. Somebody asked me one time, he said, well, why did he pick up five smooth stones? He only used one. That's because Goliath had four brothers. <laughs> Amen. Because I think I think I think I think I think I'm gonna be okay when I say this because I, I think that Goliath was a Mexican. Because <laughs> how many you know that you mess with Mexican, you mess one, you mess with the whole burrito, man. You mess them all, right? I know. Amen. So he's like, I better get five of these stones, man. I'm gonna, one's, I'm gonna get to use one of them right now, but I'm gonna need four later because these guys got four brothers. Amen. Praise the Lord. You guys still love me? all right. I love Mexican food. Amen. I love that stuff. No. But I say that just to, just to bring a little bit of humor. But it's, it's true, though. But it's, it was de- not David's weapons that brought the victory. <clears throat> it wasn't David's, wasn't the stone that block, brought down Goliath. Hear me. It wasn't the stone. It was his faith. Believing that that stone was going to take care of him. Because he knew who his God was. He knew that he could go out there and battle this giant with one stone because he knew who his God was. He knew the God that he served. And David had faith. And faith stands for something. In the F, David showed fortitude. And fortitude is strength of mind that enables one to endure adversity with courage. See, basically it's saying David had guts to act when no one else wanted to. Huh? If you read the story, you got to read the story. In 1 Samuel 17, the Bible says that when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Not David. And like David, are we willing to step out when no one else wants to? 
David wasn't afraid to take on a superior foe. He knew that Goliath was a superior foe. He knew that he was bigger than him. He knew that he was tougher than him. He knew that he had been a fighting man since the day he was born, but that didn't stop him. He still stepped out. David wasn't afraid. You see, Goliath's threats, Goliath's threats meant nothing to him because he knew the God that he served. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, he said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give, you, <clears throat> and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, who you have defied. And this day, he said, this day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, and because the whole earth, I said the whole earth and the whole army, will know that there's a God in Hayward. Come on. There's a God in Hayward. And all those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That was faith. He was standing on who his, he knew his God was. He said, I know who my God is. Do you know who your God is? I know who my God is. I know what my God did in my life. And just like David, we believe that God is and can do all things. And we know that the power that we have is on our side. Do you know who you have on your side? Do you know the power that your God has this morning? Well, you should. You see, our faith requires that we have the fortitude to face our giants. Amen. How many of you guys have ever seen that movie, Facing the Giants? Facing our giants. I just saw it the first time the other night with the guys that stay with me. And, man, it was like we were like we were crying. Right? Man, that was, it was an awesome movie. I'd never seen it before. I wanted to see it, but I never had a chance to see it. And we saw it the other night. And I was like, wow, that guy really, he faced his giants. He really, really did. If you haven't seen the movie, see it. And if you haven't also seen Courageous, amen? I'm going to throw a plug in for that. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but see, David also displayed something else. The A in faith. He displayed aggression. Amen? Excuse me. Violent action that is hostile. How many know that sometimes we've got to get hostile for God? Amen? Oh, you guys are not hearing me this morning. Sometimes I know she's she, be hostile for God. Right? Come on. Like, yes, you. Come on. She'll get, she'll get hostile for God. I'm talking about in the spirit, though, not in the physical. Amen. I'm not telling you to go out there and grab people by the neck. You got to get saved. No, you got to get it in the spirit. Amen. But David did it in the, in the, he did it in the physical as well, though. Amen. David got mad when he heard the things that Goliath was saying about Israel. In 1 Samuel, you'll find it in chapter 17. David asked the men standing near him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's what he was saying because all the guys were just standing around going, oh. You know, they didn't, they didn't know. They were all scared. Amen. David stood up to the enemy. He said, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm not going to let this happen. And so should we. We got to learn to stand up to the enemy. We got to learn to stand up to him. Get in his face. Amen. David was ready to fight for his way of life, and so should we. When we get saved, we got to know that this is a new life that we live. We don't live the same way that we used to live. Amen? When we started this new life, when God changed our life, we got to say, you know what? I'm going to stand up for the way that I live my life now. I'm going to stand up for what I believe. As believers, we can't be passive. We can't be a passive people. Amen? I'm Pastor Steve used to say that God doesn't want to raise up any cream puffs. Amen? He doesn't want to raise up any cream puffs. I know some of us, we used to be, we used to be bad, like Pastor Steve, we bad motor scooters in the world, right? Some of us might not have been. It's okay. But still, God still calls us to stand up for what we believe. If you were tough in the world, you need to be tough in the spirit. 
And if you weren't tough in the world, you need to learn how to be tough in the spirit. Amen. When you come to the right ministry, I'll tell you that. If you don't know how to be tough, just look around you. There's probably somebody sitting next to you, teach you how to be tough in the spirit. Praise the Lord. If you sit next to Brother Will, you can be tough. Right? You don't even really have to be tough. You can just sit next to him. People will be afraid of you because you're sitting next to Will. They say, you know Will? Yeah, I know Will. Okay, it's all good. Amen. But we got to be able to stand up to the enemy. Get in his face. <coughs> Excuse me. As believers, we can't be passive. See, we have to take the fight to the enemy. We got to take it to him. Because if we don't take it to him, I'm here to tell you, he's going to take it to us. He's going to bring it. The enemy's going to bring it. He's going to, I'm telling you, he's going to bring it. He's going to bring it to our homes. He's going to bring it to our families. He's, gonna, he's already bringing it to the high schools and the junior highs. Amen. That's why we got to get in there. We got to get in those places. We got to take it to him. Say, no, no, we're not going to let it happen. It's not going to happen, especially in our church. Uh-uh. We got to take it to him. That's why we go to the streets. We take it to the streets. We take church to the streets. We take church to the devil. We say, oh, no, because believe me, I'm telling you right now, the, the devil's having church on the streets. He's having church on the streets. But we got to say, uh-uh, we're bringing the real church. We're bringing church to the streets. We're bringing Jesus to the streets. we got to get in his face. I like how they say it in Dutch. They say, basta, devil. They say, basta, devil. That's, that, that means enough. And that's how we got to be. we got to say enough. Enough is enough. We can't live in this fear. we got to stand up to the devil. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I'm telling you, them, have, them, them, them spiritual forces, they're here today. I'm not trying to be mystical or supernatural, or, but it's here. All those things are here. All those things, that's what we're battling. That's what causes all the fear in the world today. And the eye in faith, David took initiative. He took initiative which is readiness to embark on bold new adventures. He went on some bold new adventures, amen? See, so far, when you read the, when you read the story of David and Goliath, see, the battle so far was a standoff. When David showed up on the scene, it was, it was a standoff. It was a stalemate, uh, if you will. Nobody was moving. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that the Philistines occupied one hill and that the Israelites occupied another, and there was a valley between them. And they were just standing there going, Hey, fool! And they were just yelling at each other across the valley. That's all they were doing. Nobody was doing anything, Right? David said, what's going on? What's going on? What are you guys doing? And it was just like, oh, we're just, you know, yelling at him. <laughs> right? And, okay. But David took initiative. David knew what was going to happen. He knew what would happen if they lost this fight. He knew. He knew what was going to happen. He knew if the Philistines were to defeat them, he knew exactly what was going to happen. They'd be back in slavery. They'd be back in bondage. They would be back where they were 400 years ago when, the, you know, when they were in Egypt. And he knew that. And he's like, you know what? Nuh-uh. I'm not, I don't want that. We, we got delivered from that a long time ago, man. I am not willing to let that come back. And we got to be the same way within our lives. Amen. We got to say, you know what? I remember where I was at when God saved me, when God delivered me. And then when those fears begin to rise up and the enemy wants to put those shackles on us again, you got to say, you know what? Nuh-uh. Enough. I'm not going back. Are you going back? Well, come on. You got to get excited then. You got to tell him, no, I'm not going back. David knew where he was. Well, he knew what was going to happen. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do something. He acted. He took the initiative. You see, when those situations come up for us, because they're going to come up, things are going to happen, they're going to come up, but we have to look at what's going to happen if we don't take the initiative to do something about it. When those fears come up and they begin to grip us again, you're gonna, mm, are you going to let it happen? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to take the initiative, and I'm going to call somebody, I'm going to open up my Bible, I'm going to say, you know what, no, wait, God's word says this, I'm not going back to slavery, I'm not going back to my bondage here. You see, we don't got to go back to our bondages or our shackles. 
We just got to step up to the giants and be victorious. So I'm here to tell you, I've read the end of the Bible. We've already won. We've already won. Initiative means stepping out even though that the odds are stacked against you. Amen. The odds are normally not going to be in our favor. I'm here to tell you that, you know, just because you get saved doesn't mean all of a sudden the odds change. Like, okay, now, you know, the odds are in your favor. No, the odds are not in your favor. But we serve a huge God. And that's all we got to know. It's not about odds and none of that stuff. It's about who you serve. It's about who you serve, who died for you on the cross. Because when, when you believe that, when you believe in who died on the cross for you, that's when God steps in and he brings the victory. Amen. When you say, when you stand up to the devil, every time you stand up, to, when you stand up to the devil and you say, not enough is enough, you know who's standing right next to you? God is standing right next to you going, come on, let's do this. I'm going to step in. All you got to do is take the initiative. All you got to do is take that first step, and God takes the second step. He steps out right in front of you. He says, don't worry about it. Oh, okay, you took the first step. It's okay, I got this. And he steps out, and he takes care of it for you. He brings the victory. You see, when one person dares to make a stand, it motivates the others to continue the assault. Because you see what happened, right? As soon as David slayed Goliath, what happened? Oh, they all got busy, right? All of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah! You know, then, you know, then they, they went to battle. It was kind of like, if it was me, I would have been like, oh, now you guys want to fight. Okay, but, it's, but that's how it is. When one person takes a stand, everybody else gets involved, and they continue the assault. That's why what happens, what? Pastor Sonny took a stand. Pastor Sonny took a stand, and now it motivates the rest of us to continue that assault. Amen. Are you guys ready to continue the assault? Another thing in faith, David had a testimony, as many of us have here this morning. Something that serves as evidence. That's what a testimony is. It's something that serves as evidence. An assertion offering firsthand authentication. Blah, 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 I almost didn't say that right. Authentication. I'm not even going to say it. It's evidence. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just got tongue-tied right now after saying all those phobias. 1 Samuel 17 says, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. He's talking to David. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, who was the king, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. They had a testimony. How many you know that sometimes people are going to come and say, Oh, you can't do it. Come on, man. You used to be a drug addict. Come on, man, you used, used to shoot heroin or you used to you smoke meth or you used to drink a lot of beer. You know, you can't do it. That's why you got to use your testimony. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. God changed my life. God changed my life. God set me free. God removed the shackles from my feet. Amen. And removed those weights from my life. Just like David. That's what David was telling. He's like, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm not trying to hear all that. Even the people doubted, right? Even people doubt us. I mean, no people doubt us sometimes. It's okay. We have to remind them of our testimony. That's why it's always good to have testimonies, to share with people what God has done. Amen. When people are discouraged, they'd like to hear when somebody, man, wow, God did that for you. Woo, that means there's, there's hope for me. I can do it if you can do it. Come on now. <clears throat> so we got to share how God touched us, how God changed us. That's why we go out to the streets. That's why we go blast on the corner. That's why we got, really got to get some megaphones, man. We really got to get some megaphones. We got to get out there and just blast on the, on the corners and let people know what God can do. We got to give them testimonies because sometimes that's what it takes to change someone's life. When you go out there and you testify and you tell them what God can do, they say, wow, he did it for you. Wow, there's, there's hope for me. There's hope for you. Amen. In Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You see, our testimonies shadow the lies that the enemies try to use to get us to give up. 
or get us to back down. That's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us to give up, gets us to back down and back away from God. He says, oh, man, look at you. God is not that big. Look, at you're still messed up. Oh, you gave your life to God. Hallelujah. You know, sounded good, right? You were all emotional at the altar. That's how the enemy works, right? But then you say, no, I got a testimony. I got, te- I got facts. I got evidence that God has done something in my life. And you can throw that in the animal's face, in the enemy's face. Amen. You say, uh-uh, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up. But our testimonies have power, power to beat the giants that are in our lives. And also in faith, David had help. How many know in faith, God gives us help? Help us to give or to provide what is necessary to accomplish the task, to assist, to cooperate. See, David recognized that he couldn't do it alone. He knew he wasn't going to do it all by himself. He knew he wasn't going to slay this giant all on his own. He knew that. He knew it would be stupid for him to go out there all by himself without God. He knew. He said, man, I got to have God's got to be with me. Huh? And same thing for us. For us to try to go up against our giants by ourselves, it's foolishness. I'm here to tell you right now. You might say, ah, pfft. I'm going to tackle this. I got willpower. I'm sorry. Willpower ain't going to get it done. You need God power. It's only God power. When you have God on your side, you know who the God is that you serve. And then you say, you know what? Come on, God. I'm going to go up against this fear. That's where you're going to get the victory. You say, come on, God. I'm going to face this giant. Me and you, we're going to do this together. We're going to face, I'm gonna face my giant. Even Jesus faced the giant, right, when he was in the garden, when he was crying out for help. God shows up, Right? God shows up. We can't face our giants alone. Even Jesus had, had some fears, right? But we can't face them alone. Don't try to face your fears alone. Don't try to do it by yourself. Call somebody. Say, come on, let's get a hold of God together. I need something right now. I need some God in me right now. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, we need God's power and his wisdom to be victorious. And God makes it very easy for us to tap into that power. Like I was saying earlier, it's not some big, long theological you know, study that you got to do to be able to tap into God's power. It's not some big, long, drawn out, you know, uh, uh, anything to really tap into God's power. This is it right here. This is how you tap into God's power. Get on your knees. Pick up your Bible. That's God's power. That's it. Simple. Now there's no excuse. That's it. Hit your knees, read your Bible. God's power. Tap into it. John chapter 14, verse 13 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Matthew 21, 22 says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. You got to believe that, that whatever you ask for in prayer, God says it right here. Again, he said it. You got to believe it. He said it. Call him on it. God, you said that whatever I believe in, that I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive it. As long as I pray, I'm going to receive it. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, if you know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Amen. I'm going to have Sister Gloria make her way up. Amen. You see, help is only in asking away. All you got to do is ask for it. If you need help, you need power, you need all these different things that I was talking about, all you got to do is ask for it. Get on your knees and ask God. Okay, God, this is what I'm going through. This is my fear. This is what's gripping me right now. This is what is causing me to back away from God. This is what's causing me to uh, 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 kind of pull away from the things of God. All you got to do is ask God. I need some help, God. I need your power. Help me use my testimony so that I can fight these giants within my life. You see, the name of Jesus has all the power and authority that we need. That's it. That that name holds all the power. No name compares to the name of Jesus. There's no fear that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. 
I don't care how long the word, I don't care how long the word is. Amen. There's even a phobia for long words. <laughs> the fear of long words. And the word was like this long. Amen. That's why I didn't, bring, I, I didn't use it. I couldn't pronounce it. But, you know, it's, it's simple, folks. It's really, really simple. We're going to have fears. There's going to be things that the enemy is going to try to grip us with, to hold us back from doing the things of God. But you don't have to fear. Because the Bible says it. Fear not. Fear not. Believe in the one who saved you. Believe in the one who's your stronghold here this morning. As you bow your heads with me here this morning. In the book of Philippians, it says that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And I believe he's even talking about all the fears. All these fears are going to have to bow at the name of Jesus. There's no fear in this world. There's no fear that the enemy can create that can grip you in such a way that Jesus' name can't, can't break it. That the name of Jesus can't break that fear, can't give you victory. And I know sometimes we, we don't feel like that. We feel that there's no way out. But you just have to believe in the God that you serve. Believe in that power that is in God. You see, our lives are always going to have fears. It's always going to have its struggles. It's always going to have the things that attempt to draw us away from God and draw us away from His truth. The truth for our lives and for our families. And that's why the enemy uses that fear, to draw us away from that, from His truth. And you just got to get into your word and find out what the truth is. Because the enemy's going to lie. He's going to try to distort your vision so that you can't see the things the way he wants you to see them. He wants you to see things in the flesh. He wants you to see things with your your emotions. And I believe God uses everything in our lives, even our fears. And I'm not sure if God created fears. I know he, God is the creator. God created all things, but I don't know if he created fear, but I know he allows it. And I believe that there's a purpose in everything that God does. And I believe that he allows those fears as opportunities to exercise faith. don't matter. You serve a huge God. I serve a huge God. We have to use those opportunities to exercise our faith and live out the things that we profess to believe. You see, God is with us, church. God is with us. And like we sing that song, if he's with us, who can stand against us? If he's with us, who can be against us? this morning, you say, you know, I got some fears going right now, Brother Toby, you know, and I, I really need some of that power. I really need some more faith. Well, this is an opportunity because that's what faith is, just stepping out and trusting that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do in his word, that he is my salvation, that he is my stronghold, that he is the one that is my deliverer, that he did deliver me. I don't have to go back to the way that I used to be tired of living in fear, if you're tired of living with these things that are holding you back, and you want to say, you know what, I, I want to live by faith. I want God to build my faith. 
God says, I can build your faith. You just got to step out. And here this morning, that's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you to step out. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seats this morning. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm going to ask you to leave your fears here. But in leaving them here, I want you to leave them here. I don't want you to carry them back out with you here this morning. I want you to leave them at this altar. I want you to, whatever the chains are, I want you to chain up your fears. I want you to leave them here at this altar so they can't get up and follow you out. And maybe even here this morning, you're not saved. Maybe you don't know God as your personal Savior. But you want to get saved and you say, you know what, I need that power. I need that faith because my whole life has been fear. And I don't want to live like that anymore. Well, then this morning, this, this altar call is for you as well. I want to pray with you this morning. So if you're ready to live by faith this morning, you just said, you know what, I'm tired of my fears. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to be like David. I'm ready to step out. But I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to open the altars as we begin to sing this song.